welcome back to another episode of Let's Celebrate, a Holiday Origins podcast. I'm your host, Rusty Brown, and today we're celebrating St. Patrick's Day. I'm trying something new and doing a video podcast this episode, so we'll see how that works out. If you're new here, welcome. I'm so glad you decided to celebrate with me today. Each episode, I research a specific holiday and discuss the history behind it, how and why the people before us celebrated it, and how it evolved into what it is now and how we celebrate it now. And then I look at how we can possibly incorporate traditional ways of celebrating back into the holiday to reconnect to why we're celebrating in the first place. Each episode also includes a celibation that is a themed cocktail to go with the holiday with also a mocktail option that you can make at home to celebrate along with me as you listen. So today, the celibation for this episode is an Irish mojito. I chose this for this month's celebration because I was looking for something green, refreshing, not beer, and ingredients that were readily available for me as well as something that could be easily converted to a mocktail. Also, I kind of like the mint in there because it's reminiscent of shamrock, but tastes a lot better. So uh, for one serving, you're going to muddle a quarter of a fresh lime, some fresh mint leaves. I just took like a whole sprig of mint, and then two ounces of simple syrup, I don't eat sugar, so I actually made a honey syrup, but it's the same. It's just honey and water. And then um, you'll add one and a half ounces of Irish whiskey. Then add ice, shake or stir, whatever is your preference, and then strain over ice and top with sparkling mineral water. And you'll have a delicious cocktail. For mocktail version of this, it can be made simply by omitting the whiskey and you'll have a delicious mint limeade. It's very refreshing. Last month's episode was about St. Valentine's Day. And if you listened to that episode and decided to incorporate some new or old but new to you traditions into your celebrations, I'd love to hear about how you celebrated. You can email me at letscelebratepodcast at gmail.com with your celebratory stories. I celebrated by having a romantic meal at home with my love. I, of course, wore a red and white outfit to symbolize sacrifice, new life, and procreation without the need to sacrifice a goat. And then we went to a Valentine's Day street party in our town here in Guatemala, and we danced the night away. I even made some new friends. In South America, Valentine's Day is called either Dia del Amor y Amistad, which means Day of Love and Friendship, or Dia de Cariño, which is Sweetheart Day. So I felt like making new friends and dancing with them was a good way to celebrate. I did not end up doing any kind of fertility ritual. I didn't feel inspired to do anything, but I did do some journaling earlier in the day, focusing on the creative seeds I would like to sow for the future. So in a way, I suppose that was my fertility ritual. So now, what you're really here for, 
Little Green Leprechauns, The Luck of the Irish, and Snakes? Let's celebrate St. Patrick's Day. We're going to begin with the history behind it. So first, when we looked at New Year's Eve and St. Valentine's Day, we saw that those holidays had pagan roots. But St. Patrick's Day seems to be a religious holiday that has turned into more of a secular holiday. And many people use it as an excuse to dress in green, go to parades, and drink in excess without knowing who or what they are celebrating beyond Irish culture. So first, let's take a look at who St. Patrick was and what he did to get his own day that has been celebrated for over a thousand years. First of all, St. Patrick, his actual name was Mawin Sukkot. I am not 100% sure if that's how you pronounce it, but that's what it looks like. And he wasn't even Irish. He was born by some accounts in Wales or Scotland and other in Roman Britain, which may or may not be the same thing. He was born in 390 AD to a Christian deacon and his wife. And then when he was 16 years old, he was kidnapped by um, Irish pirates, I believe, and taken to Ireland to the Slemish mountains in County Antrim, to be exact, where he was enslaved. While there, he became very religious, and after six to seven years of slavery, he escaped. It's said that he heard voices. I also read that it was in a dream that um, the voices told him to escape back to his home. But once he got back home, the voices told him to return back to Ireland. But before he returned, he became a priest, and that's when he changed his name to Patricus, or Patrick, which is inspired by the Latin root patra, meaning father. And then at this time, Ireland was mostly pagan and druid, so his Christianity wasn't really accepted, and he was beaten and imprisoned by Irish royalty and pagan chiefs for his attempts at converting the people to Christianity. There is a legend that St. Patrick delivered a sermon on an Irish hillside that drove all the snakes into the sea and rid the island of snakes. So this is the legend of that correlates St. Patrick with snakes. Though it is true that Ireland doesn't have snakes, evidence has shown that Ireland never had snakes to begin with, and many scholars believe that snakes are actually an allegory for paganism and St. Patrick's involvement in driving out paganism in Ireland. This legend also seems to be a bit untrue, as there were already other Christians in Ireland before St. Patrick, and there continued to be pagans after him. So he wasn't the first, and he didn't actually drive paganism out of Ireland. What it seems like is true is that he facilitated the spread of Christianity by establishing monasteries, churches, and schools around Ireland which caused m more people to convert and therefore correlated with the elimination or at least the lessening of the old belief systems. Another uh, St. Patrick legend is that St. Patrick used the shamrock's three leaves to explain the Christian Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
The wearing of a shamrock dates back to the 17th or 18th century, so it's possible that this was a story created after his death. The shamrock was already seen as a sacred plant in ancient Ireland. It symbolized the birth of spring, so this could have been a way of reframing a pagan idea to fit the Christian ideology. The shamrock is now Ireland's national plant. So St. Patrick died on March 17th, 461 AD in Sal County Down, and his remains are buried on the grounds of Down Cathedral in Down Patrick County Down. He was nearly forgotten after his death, but over time, the legends about the shamrock and the ridding Ireland of snakes grew until he eventually was honored as the patron saint of Ireland. So that's a little bit about the man behind the holiday. So let's look at how and why people celebrated St. Patrick's Day before us. So as I said before, March 17th was St. Patrick's death day, and that was observed as the Roman Catholic feast day of St. Patrick in Ireland since around the 9th or 10th century. The pagan holiday Ostara, or the spring equinox, was also traditionally celebrated around this time. But with the spread of Christianity, St. Patrick's Day took precedence. And traditionally, most people spend the day in quiet prayer at church or at home, definitely not the revelry that we know it to be today. The first St. Patrick's Day parade was actually in the United States, not in Ireland. In 1601, according to Spanish documents, a Spanish settlement in St. Augustine, Florida, was actually the home of the first St. Patrick's Day parade. The reason for the parade was that St. Patrick was the patron saint of corn in the settlement. So this parade, even though it was for St. Patrick, wasn't associated with Ireland or anything we now relate to St. Patrick's Day. In Ireland during the 1600s, St. Patrick's Day was still a minor religious holiday. At this time, families would celebrate by going to church in the morning and celebrating in the afternoon, and also the pubs would be closed. St. Patrick's Day occurs during the Christian season of Lent, when meat consumption and alcohol consumption is prohibited. But on St. Patrick's Day, those prohibitions were waived and people would eat a traditional meal of bacon and cabbage and there would be drinking and dancing at these festivities. The first Irish St. Patrick's Day parade was actually in Boston, Massachusetts in 1737, followed by the New York City Parade in 1762. Irish Americans started these parades to celebrate their roots and their heritage. The parades began as tame and secular because at this time, Irish aid societies rose in popularity like the Friendly Sons of St. Patrick and the Hibernian Society. They organized these parades as a way for the American immigrants to celebrate their Irish patriotism. At this time, most of the immigrants were middle class and Protestant. So they fit in with the American Protestants. But then with the Great Potato Famine in 1848, this caused over a million Catholic Irish immigrants to come into the United States. And these Catholics weren't as accepted as the Protestants had been, and a lot of these new immigrants were alienated for their religious beliefs and unfamiliar accents. 
With the influx of Irish people, the celebrations got rowdier in St. Patrick's Day and the Irish immigrants were seen as drunk and violent. Newspaper cartoons even depicted the Irish people celebrating St. Patrick's Day as drunk, violent monkeys. The influx did have its advantages, though, because the Irish people realized that their large and growing numbers gave them a political power as they became an important swing vote for political candidates. With this newfound power, they began to organize and their voting bloc became known as the Green Machine. Because of this, St. Patrick's Day became a must-attend event for political hopefuls. The first St. Patrick's Day parade in Ireland wasn't held until 1903 in Waterford. I had also thought that St. Patrick's Day was an old Irish celebration, but it is actually an American tradition that has now returned back to its root. This is exactly why I started this podcast and what I love about learning about holidays. I love learning that what I thought I knew was completely wrong. Before doing this research, I thought that this was a holiday that originated in Ireland, and though it does actually originate in Ireland, the way we celebrate it is actually an Irish-American holiday that doesn't really have anything to do with St. Patrick and his ridding Ireland of snakes and pagans, but it's actually more about Irish people remembering where they came from and being proud of it and celebrating it. So a couple of symbolisms that I didn't touch on previously are leprechauns and how did they get involved in this St. Patrick's Day um, celebration. So leprechauns stem from Celtic belief and the original Irish name for these figures of folklore is Lobarkin. I'm not Sure, 100%. It's spelled L-O-B-A-I-R-C-I-N. And it means small-bodied fellow. And in Celtic folktales, leprechauns were cranky souls responsible for mending the shoes of the other fairies and known for their trickery, which they used to protect their treasure. There's also a folklore that says wearing green makes you invisible to leprechauns who like to pinch anyone they can see. This is where the tradition of wearing green or get pinched comes from, but it seems like this might actually be an American custom because in Celtic folklore, the leprechauns actually were known to wear red and not green. Some people also think that wearing the color green will bring good luck, which brings us to the color green. The original color associated with St. Patrick's Day was actually blue. The Knights in the Order of St. Patrick actually wore a color known as St. Patrick's Blue. It is thought that green became associated with Irish culture in St. Patrick's Day when supporters of Irish independence known as the Green Machine that we discussed earlier used that color to represent their cause in the 18th century. There isn't really one thing that I could find that explained where green as a symbol for Ireland and St. Patrick's Day came from. Rather, it's a combination of many different influences. Ireland is called the Emerald Island because its countryside is many shades of green. Shamrocks are green and it became the national symbol for Ireland in the 18th century. And many people wear a shamrock on their clothing on St. Patrick's Day and the previously mentioned prevention of a leprechaun's pinch. So then we also have the luck of the Irish and the luck of the Irish 
also seems to be an American invention as the Irish were actually historically pretty unlucky with their famine, starvation, and the discrimination they received once they migrated to the U.S. You may have heard people say, kiss me, I'm Irish, or seen it on a shirt. This saying doesn't have specific origins that I could find, but some people believe that it may have something to do with the kissing of the Blarney Stone. And the Blarney Stone is on the Blarney Castle located in Cork Island, and it's said to endow the kisser with the skill of flattery or good luck. And that, if you can't make it to Ireland to kiss the stone, then kissing an Irish person is the next best thing. Another Irish luck tradition is baking Irish soda bread and cutting a cross on the top of the bread before baking it to let the steam out, or as many people refer to it as letting the devil out. This is said to ward off the devil and protect the household. Another luck tradition is drowning the shamrock. What you do is put a shamrock into a glass of whiskey, drink the whiskey, and throw the shamrock at the bottom of the glass over your left shoulder. So how has this evolved into what we now know today? St. Patrick's Day didn't become popular with non-Irish people until the latter part of the 20th century, and it was with the post-World War II economy that the holiday started to become more aggressively marketed to non-Irish people. St. Patrick's Day has now evolved into a holiday celebrated all over the world. People now celebrate it from the U.S. and Canada all the way to Australia and Japan and everywhere in between. In 1962, Chicago dyed their river green for the holiday. Initially, they kept the river green for an entire week, but now they dye it just for several hours on St. Patrick's Day to minimize the environmental impact. It has become traditional to wear green to avoid being pinched, but instead of leprechauns doing the pinching, it's now children or malicious friends. Corned beef has also become a staple for, as I mentioned earlier, Bacon and cabbage was the traditional food eaten on St. Patrick's Day. So what changed? In the 1800s, many Irish immigrants in New York City's Lower East Side started substituting corned beef bought from their Jewish neighbors because it was cheaper than pork and more readily available. Corned beef and cabbage have now become a traditional American dish eaten on St. Patrick's Day. In Ireland, it would actually be seen as unlucky to kill a cow because cows were primarily used for milk. More pigs were kept than cows and pork was more widely available for eating and is still traditional in Ireland. Corned beef is an American addition to the holiday that has become a staple in St. Patrick's Day celebrations. Also traditionally, as I mentioned before, pubs were closed on St. Patrick's Day since it was a religious holiday. Irish law actually mandated that the pubs be closed in observance of St. Patrick's Day up until the 1970s. But things have changed now to accommodate tourists. Since 1995, the Irish government has used St. Patrick's Day's popularity as a way to bring in more tourists and showcase Irish traditions and cultures to the world. So how do we now celebrate? St. Patrick's Day parades are still the most popular way to celebrate the holiday. People all over the world flock to the streets dressed in their green attire, drinking green beer or a Guinness 
or an Irish whiskey. There's usually some form of Irish entertainment during these parades, and many people will eat some corned beef and cabbage, or bacon and cabbage, depending on where they're at. Most people don't think much about what they're celebrating, but know that it is a fun time to dress up and get drunk. Some people see this holiday as the destruction of indigenous traditions and a celebration of patriarchal religious colonialism, and have started to celebrate an Unpatrick's Day, where they celebrate all things Celtic and Irish, focusing on pre-Christian Irish history. Some even have revived Druid traditions with music and stories. Some pagans choose to wear a snake pin on their clothing instead of a shamrock, to symbolize that St. Patrick didn't, in fact, drive out all the, quote, snakes out of Ireland. Personally, after doing this research, it seems like the focus of St. Patrick's Day, the American version that we all celebrate today, is actually based on Irish culture, keeping it alive and celebrating it. It seems that St. Patrick is just the namesake, and it wasn't ever really about celebrating him once the holiday came to America. So now, how can we incorporate some traditional ways of celebrating St. Patrick's Day? There are actually a few ways you can incorporate traditional ways of celebrating into your St. Patrick's Day festivities. And I think the main way would be to celebrate is to celebrate Irish culture. Go to a parade, drink some Irish libations, eat some corned beef and cabbage, or take it old school and eat the traditional bacon and cabbage, and then watch some Irish dancers do an Irish jig. You can also learn more about Irish culture and traditions beyond the St. Patrick's Day traditions. Last year, I did a DNA test and learned that I have Irish roots and then discovered in my family tree that I have great-grandparents who migrated to the U.S. from Ireland in late 1800s or early 1900s. So I would like to take some time this year to meditate on my own Irish history and learn more about it. I might listen to and maybe even sing an Irish ballad. I'll definitely listen to traditional Irish folk music. I actually listened to Irish folk music as I was researching this. And maybe take an Irish dance class. I don't know if Guatemala has Irish dance classes, but maybe at some point, if I get the opportunity, I would like to do that. I could read some Irish poetry or even try speaking a bit of the Irish language and watch an Irish movie. There is also the Roman Catholic feast day way of celebrating that you could revive by spending the morning in prayer or at church if that's something you're into and then have a meal with family or friends and then drinking and dancing after. And then there's the Unpatrick's Day way of celebrating by focusing on pre-Christian Irish and Celtic history and maybe look into Druid traditions by listening to music and stories. So that wraps it up for this episode. I hope you have a wonderful St. Patrick's Day, however you decide to celebrate. Have fun and try not to get too drunk. And I will be back in April to discuss Easter and how bunnies and Easter egg hunts are associated with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please like and subscribe and maybe even leave a review. If you would like to share 
how you celebrate St. Patrick's Day, feel free to send me an email to letscelebratepodcast at gmail.com. All of my references are in the show notes if you are interested in reading the articles where I did my research. And also the recipe for the celebration is in the show notes as well. Thanks for listening and joining me on this adventure. Have fun celebrating and I hope you've learned something new today.